0: Welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast. I'm Pete Clark, your host, The Whispers Guy. It appears that work expands to the time that we give it. And I started to explore how I was investing my time and effort, particularly on Fridays. It's evolved to an explanation, and experiment with time, energy, attention and identity. And a mindset shift from I have to, to I choose to. So if you're interested in exploring some changes to the way that you invest your time and your energy, if you'd like some tips on the way as you make some changes perhaps to your identity, if you would like the freedom of I choose to away from I have to, then this is the podcast for you. So welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of Freedom Fridays. I have a guest on today who I don't know that well, actually, but in some big changes that I made starting two and a half, three years ago, she was someone that I connected with and we've remained friends. We haven't done any work together, which might come in the future, but I've been fascinated by watching afar from some of the things that this individual has been up to. So please welcome Glenn.
2: Hi, Pete. Thank you very much for having me on your show,
1: Freedom Fridays. I'm not sure how much of a show it is, Glenn. It's just me having a chat with some like-minded people. So thank you for your time.
2: You're most welcome.
1: Um, Glenn, we start with the same question, uh, which is Freedom Fridays is about, you know, toggling between choosing to and have to and ordinary people doing extraordinary things. What's the big change they're going through? So, To begin our conversation, would you share with us what's the big change that you've gone through or even perhaps going through?
2: Yeah, I think I'm in a second phase of change at the moment, uh, linked to my business, actually. So I'll rewind back a little bit just to give some context. I moved out to Australia in 2015 After my marriage ended, and at that point, I was in a period of soul searching, a big, big change in terms of relationship ending, moving over to Australia from the UK, starting a brand new life. And I worked in finance as a senior executive, heading up a business called Patax, the curry sauce business for Australia and New Zealand. And so I headed up them for a short while say three, three, three and a half years here. But I knew I had an inner niggle, probably prompted by the relationship ending and the soul searching period that told me that finance wasn't my path, that I. Didn't feel as connected to it as I wanted to feel towards a career or a a life vocation. And that I needed to stand for something or choose something that was going to bring my heart joy. I left corporate in 2018. So finally, after a period of time evaluating, I, I took the leap and started my own executive coaching and consulting business mainly focused with female leadership and self-leadership at that so not so much team related work not um how do you do leadership in an organization but how do you do leadership of yourself in every environment that you're operating in whether that be personally or professionally and that was really all I had as a plan at the time was that oh I'm leaving finance and I'm going to start a coaching business and for the last or three and a half years since leaving that's been my main focus. Uh, COVID has obviously hit in the middle of that period and my face-to-face delivery of programs so it was coaching and then delivering programs for Uh, groups of leaders that were brought together through a client of mine. And when COVID hit, the face-to-face activity went away. And it's made me then think about what next? Like, what do I actually want my business to stand for? What does it look like? And so I decided to pivot onto online courses, which has been great in terms of the whole experience, figuring out how to develop an online course, package my IP share that with people and have women go through an eight week program called unstoppable woman, helping them unpack who they are, what they want for themselves to give them clarity about their future direction. But the change that I, I guess I'm processing now, and it's useful just to have a chat because I've not actually really said this out loud to, to anyone, certainly not on a, on a podcast, <laughs> but it's, it's the question mark about, do I want an online course business? Is that my future? Is that is that the path that I'm creating? Do I subscribe to everything that I feel that enta- entails? Like there is such a heavy emphasis on social media, Instagramming, being an influencer, sharing aspects of your life, showing up on lives, doing LinkedIn posts. There is so much that goes in with actually all of the peripheral stuff that actually supports people then getting to know you to then decide whether they want to buy your program. And I'm kind of the person that's just a, the program's great, it works. Oh, excuse my puppy. Um, The program's great, it works. How do I make something work without, excuse me, one moment, I might just have to close the door one second so that the puppy doesn't interrupt this any further. I guess it's made me question whether I'm subscribing to the circus that I feel like I'm putting myself into to create a business that ultimately all I want to do is help people be the best they can be in the way they want to be. So I'm almost fighting. I'm finding through my own sort of change period that actually I'm helping people find their freedom and yet. I'm now constraining myself to a way of working and operating that just doesn't feel energetically aligned to what I stand for and what I'm trying to help others navigate. Mm. So I have no idea where it's going to lead, but all I know is what's served me well over the last few years navigating the big changes has been to pay attention to my feelings Mm -hmm. and pay attention to where the resistance shows up (laughs) and yeah that's that's probably the big part and i don't know whether we just chat around that or unpack that a little bit more i'll let let you ask more around it
1: glenn thank you Um there is so so many strands <laughs> that I could and would love to pick up, not, not least that whole dilemma that you've just finished with and I for those that know me, I'm in the same position. Yeah. Um, but let's part that for a second. Um, and thank you so much for sharing uh, a possibly a painful part that you've gone through that's I'm, I'm really grateful and conscious that that you didn't have to say that and I'm, I'm really thankful that you did. I might start there. I'm I'm, really interested. um, In the breakup of your relationship, why did you choose Australia?
2: Uh, It was somewhere that I had visited in 2003 for the very first time. Mm. And then I came and visited again in 2006. And both times I felt this pull to see Australia as home. And I knew it was somewhere that at some point in my life I would live and work. At the time I was in my relationship, well, the second time um, I'd come here, I was just embarking on my relationship. And then throughout that time, being settled, being married, I decided that what we decided that we were going to have a family. And at that point, I had decided that the dream around Australia needed to be put to one side. It Mm. was a narrative that I had in my mind at that time, which was naive, but one that said, oh well if we are going to find a job we're going to find the job through my ex husband's work because if i'm having a family yep. then i haven't got necessarily the security to have bring up children and try and manage a career which is a false belief really but that was the belief that i had at the time and yeah so when i when we when we split up I felt really lost I felt really uncertain about where I was headed I was really happy with the life that we had created I was really happy with the location that we lived, the home that we had so at that time it felt like the only option that I had was to find something that made me feel like I was moving forward towards a dream rather than Back to the starting blocks of life only with extra baggage. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> so
2: I thought, oh, I don't really want to go backwards, or I don't want to find the smaller home in the same area because now I feel like I'm downsizing, I'm 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 going backwards in some way where I felt like I should be expanding. Mm. So Australia was something my mum had reminded me. She said, Glenn, you know, it's been your dream for years, but I'd actually parked it so it it sort of oh gone from my mind and then she'd reminded me and said why don't you just go use that time see if you can find an opportunity you know have a couple of years and then come back and now I've been here six years I'm an Australian citizen and I haven't felt the desire to move back to the UK I'm not saying never but at this point in time it feels very much like home and so it felt like the natural place where I could move
1: forward yeah I uh, when we were unpacking all our stuff here in Australia Glenn I found an old mind map that I put together when I first joined the business I joined in the UK we're back in it would be July 1999 oh wow one of the strands of that mind map was Australia and I completely forgotten completely forgotten and here we are we arrived in 07 and we've been here you know since then it's it's amazing how those things show up yeah. um I'm interested if you would share in, in losing the relationship what did you find of yourself
2: um there was a lot it was a big year so I moved here in 2014 and 2015 sorry but 2014 was the year that I had started with uh, the news that I was pregnant expecting our first baby and then, had a miscarriage, relationship ended or separated. And I ended the year in 2014 single, wondering what the hell had just happened. It was just this incredible year of such change. So in making the decision first to move to Australia, that was the start of saying, actually, I'm, I'm choosing for me. I just knew I needed to do something that was about healing but finding confidence in in a new life solo because it brought up a lot of fears it brought up fears of um how do I do life solo when I've just been in an eight-year-long relationship and and really settled and had my future mapped out and this future future dream has gone so it was that the future that I dreamed of had been taken the life that I had created was also disintegrating there and also there was a lot to process around being single one but also losing the Mm. opportunity at that time in that time frame to be a mum again you know it's this idea of going gosh we're splitting up but geez I'm not happy about that but what you're taking my right to be a mum away right now Mm. (laughs) you know and it was and it was stuff that I was processing rather than said but it was the feeling of yeah thinking well god we're separating by the time it's going to take me to find a new partner settle connect you know when am I going to have this child that I've been dreaming about for years um and so there's a lot of grieving a lot of oh, grieving yeah. letting go of that piece of my identity this this future plan that I'd created, this life that didn't exist, but only only in my head. Um, and also recognizing that I could be somebody outside of my relationship. And I think that was probably the trigger that really allowed me to be honest at work. Start as I was in an executive role, I worked with essentially large corporate global firms in, in consumer goods businesses. And all of that time in my career, I felt like I'd just been someone who wanted to reach the next level. There was always a, a future path to, to take. There was always somewhere else to, to be and striving for. But I also felt I was hiding a lot of who I was, which was I, you know someone that was brought up in a uh, low social economic environment in the equivalent of what australians call social housing council house council houses in the uk um i had a personal block around feeling like i was from a poor background um single parent background and i had a lot of hang-ups about being smart so i focused on educating myself i focused on being who I needed to be in corporates to to kind of prove my, my own worthiness in some way. And through the separation and the divorce, all of that realization of like, I'm trying to be something for other people to accept me in whatever way that looks like in my professional career. But actually the thing that I really want is just to be me and just to be happy because what I craved was my loving relationship back and go, oh, well, that was the only thing I really wanted in life was partner to do life with. That's now gone. Like, what am I worried about trying to mm. step myself through a career? Um, and it gave me the impetus to go, let's just give something new a try. And if I don't, mm. if I don't succeed at it, okay, like, that's definitely not something I want to do, because I hate failing and type A performance oriented <laughs> individual but it did leave me to go okay well let's let's go and be who you are and it gave me the courage to step into those few years that I was in corporate in Australia just to be Mm -hmm. myself for starters not not someone who I thought I needed to be it gave me the courage to say hey I'm just going to choose what I want to do (laughs) and even with the um where I started when I left corporate, I'd started by calling my business Simply Glynn before I changed it to Heart of Human. And it was Simply Glynn just based on the fact that I'd started a personal blog site called Simply Glynn. And I thought, oh, well, good a name as any to start with my, for my business. And then realized it was all about my identity because I just realized my, my surname would change if I got married or went back to my maiden name. And I just thought, oh, it's just too much too much attachment to a title or a name or a, or a label. So I thought, Oh, I'm just, I can, I'm always going to be Glynn Like I'm not going to change my first name. So yeah, it's just simply Glyn. <laughs> and, and then realized with that part of the puzzle, um, my own sharing was a great healing journey, but when I was then holding space for executive coaching clients and then sharing news articles and writing blogs, suddenly I felt a responsibility to hold space for others. And Simply Glynn was my space for just processing and sharing. So I then renamed the business to Heart of Human, which gave me the essence of what I was trying to do with corporate leaders or business owners and female leaders wanting to find themselves mm. and their clarity. But I could hold the container and the space for them whilst having Simply, Simply Glynn as my space unfiltered for me. But yeah. The blog for Simply Glynn fell off the uh, the wagon as I started to focus on Heart of Human. But that's part of circling back, I guess, to the beginning. It's been part of what's yeah. been coming up again to yeah. go, OK, you had Simply Glynn. You've got Heart of Human. Like, where do the two connect? Where's the yeah. intersection between the both? And how can you bring back all of you to one space, which is you doing you the way you want to do you, but whilst giving something to others that they can benefit for their own journey too.
1: Yeah. There are no coincidences perhaps. I was reading this afternoon about uh, Russell Brand was describing life as it's not linear, it's not circular. So even when you think you've come back to the same position, it's actually a spiral.
2: Yeah. Because
1: you're just seeing it from a different perspective and that sounds very much what you're describing. You've come back to the same spot but the glint of five years ago is very different yes. to the glint of today Um and, and I'm going to ask you something and I know the answer but what I'm sensing and I think the listeners would sense this as well to be able to talk about the stuff that you've just shared which is extremely vulnerable and extremely personal I, I sense you've done work on yourself to be able to even do that yeah I, I'm interested in if you would share when you did the grieving
2: yeah
1: did you do it intentionally
2: did I do it intentionally?
1: As in, did you grieve intentionally? Did you do it purposefully? Did you know how to grieve?
2: No idea. No right. idea. What I did intentionally, though, uh, was in 2014. So my miscarriage was early part of 2014. So March time, partner moved out July. And from that point in time, July, I was like, right, right. I've got to figure out how I'm suddenly going to cope with this new environment. And I decided at that point I would keep a gratitude journal Mm -hmm. and I would write three things or more if I fancied, but a minimum of three things Mm -hmm. that I was grateful for each day. Mm -hmm. And the only rule in that journal was because all of my previous life journals had been like, Oh God, wallowing in self-pity. Let me just have a pity party for one. And I pour my heart and soul into onto these pages and whinge and moan. But my commitment to myself was uh, gratitude because misery and gratitude, uh, gratitude and misery cannot coexist. So if you don't want to be miserable, choose gratitude. Let me, let me do that. And I did that consistently writing gratitude journals from that point onwards for four and a half years every single day. And the only clue that I had about that first year of my, my grieving period uh, and the separation and, and, and then the subsequent divorce about my down periods were my my gratitude extended to things like, I'm grateful for my, my senses, the ability to to feel touch see you know it was it was the raw I cannot think of anything else to be grateful for other than that I'm alive and I can feel and I can see and it was the most baseline of of needs being met that mm-hmm. I could find to be grateful for and that was my only clue that I was having a bad day but aside from that like there was just so much goodness and I think genuinely that that period of consistent gratitude kept me in um in a spiral up so it meant the relationship that I have with my ex-husband we're still friends like we never argued we it was a very amical breakup whilst heartbreaking for me because it wasn't wasn't my choice but it was a really amical breakup and friends commented as to how are you guys still so close and so friendly and kind and I just like well that's just who I am, and it's who he is. So, like, why mm. wouldn't we be that together mm. despite the fact that our paths are separating? And I think gratitude played a huge part in that grieving journey. But yeah, the grief itself wasn't an intentional process, but the gratitude definitely was.
1: Wow. And the, the gratitude journaling, um, yeah. how long did you spend on that per day?
2: Not long. three bullet points was all i need so it's like
1: five ten minutes the reason i'm asking glenn is that's in the work that we do that's what we tell clients right it doesn't have to be you know hollywood it doesn't have to be an hour it could be three seconds three minutes three bullet points the trick is the consistency
2: yeah
1: and so make it small enough that you can do it consistently and that sounds like what you did
2: yeah it was
1: um, was there any extent to which you had to force yourself to do it?
2: Not probably for the first couple of years. No. Later on, yeah, okay. there was times, which is what it still, it still took me to four and a half years before I finally said, I'm now not feeling this process is wow. working in the same way that it once did. But but I'd grown, so it, I needed a new process. I needed yeah, yeah. something different. Um, so I'm I'm great at just choosing different different rituals that serve for a period of time and not having any attachment to it being the thing forever.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, but four and a half years of consistent journaling. But I'd definitely say for the first couple of years, like it was a no-brainer. My gratitude journal went with me everywhere. Yeah. You know, Even if it was away at Friends overnight, I'd take it just to write those three bullet points in.
1: And so whilst you might not have recognised it as intentional grieving, I think that's what you were doing.
2: Yeah, yeah
1: without even calling it that, without, yeah. without even knowing that. And I, I wonder, it fascinates me about humans that they ask the how question. You know, yeah, but how could I intentionally grieve them? How would I do this, Glenn? And you go, be grateful for three seconds a day. Ah, oh, it can't be that easy. It can't <laughs> be that easy. Well, it's not because you've got to do it for four and a half years.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, I couldn't do it for four and a half years. Mm. And you, what, you, what I'm hearing, your story is, well, it was five minutes a day for four and a half years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny, actually, when I had told, now that you say that time, its that's really, I've just connected the dots. It, my uh, HR, uh, sort of chief HR officer that I worked with at the time at Twinings, uh, when I first told him that had a miscarriage separating and going through a divorce and just letting him know in case it was going to be weird at work as to what was going on he would said to me he said Glenn he said it's going to take you five years to get over this relationship and at the time I thought you are five years are you kidding me but then like and it wasn't a oh I'm logging that and I'm going to make it last five years but I look back now and go for me properly to have left, because there was so much grief around losing, you know, a baby as well yeah. as a relationship. Yeah, like, actually, yeah, that probably feels like there's a whole heap of stuff that needed to be processed. So maybe the four and a half years was was okay for five minutes a day, you know, who knows if it was going to take longer if I hadn't have done that. Who knows? I have no idea. But yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm going to pause there. Glenn and I turned a corner in the next part of our conversation. But I wanted to respect some of the things that Glynn shared in what I thought was a very raw and genuine, authentic, vulnerable, really touching conversation and how, uh, and centred isn't the right word, but how congruent and at relative peace she seemed with what had gone on um, in terms of losing relationships and finding part of herself using gratitude to counter the grief that she experienced and just the power of five minutes a day for four and a half years. I think that's an extraordinary example of performance at its best in a very, very raw and emotional context. So I'll leave it with you there for part one of my conversation with Heart of Human, Glenn Bailey. Cheers.